Welcome to Stepping Out of Bounds. I'm Emily Harrard, and with me today is Julia Kropa, and she's actually joining us outside in Washington, D.C. So let's get a hello from Julia. Hey, coming in live from George Washington University's campus. It sounds beautiful there with the birds chirping. Yes, I am surrounded by a lot of birds, but it's beautiful here. All right, well, let's get started. Today's episode's going to be themed, damn if you do, damned if you don't. Women in and the media and in the media. So, you know, it's something that has always been known to me and probably most people who pay any attention, but it's very difficult in the sports world um, specifically for women because it's a male-dominated industry. And either if you're the athlete or you're a sports analyst and a member of the media as a female, I, you just don't get the same respect from um, males watching whatever sports programming it is or sometimes even your um, co-workers. So today we're going to take on this topic. Julia, first I want to know what level of respect do you think females get in the sports industry? Well... Certainly not equal overall, but I would say a lot of it depends on a person-to-person basis in, you know, what they've done to so-called, you know, be perceived as an equal. But a lot of times it seems like they have to put in an extraordinarily large amount of effort and talent just to be seen as almost as good as their male counterparts. Yeah, and I like what you say because, you know, definitely a female needs to be just as qualified as their male counterparts when they are, you know, doing their job. And that doesn't necessarily mean playing a sport if you are uh, a sports analyst, because there are a lot of male, um, you know, sports analysts who probably haven't played sports too. But you just have to know the game that you're talking about, the games, do your research, and um, make sure that, you know, you're on top of your game. One of my, um, one person that I look up and look up to in the media, sports media, is um, Sage Steele, and she she does uh, NBA Game Time, and she's on ESPN. She does a lot for the NBA, and she does three hours or more of research in the morning on what she was going to be covering that day, and that's a lot of work and she always sounds like she knows exactly what she's talking about and you know I think she is respected by her male counterparts a lot of them ex-NBA players or coaches so it's not to say that all females don't get respected but I for sure know that people say derogatory things about her because you know she is a pretty woman who is um you know, talking about sports, so people are going to say, oh, well, she doesn't really know what she's talking about. She's just there because she looks good. Yeah, and, you know, maybe the situation's a little different or, you know, analyzing WNBA, a women's league, clearly. Uh, Compare that to, say, a woman calling or analyzing the NBA, and I would think that the situation has to be a little bit different in their perception. 
Exactly. There and because for the WNBA, most of well, not most, but a lot of the um, commentators are are female, and a lot of them played college basketball, and so you know they're at that level. They understand the game. There's no denying it, except for I think part of the thing that a lot of men don't even watch the WNBA or care about it so it's not like they're sitting there saying oh well this person calling the New York Liberty game doesn't know what she's talking about because they that game's probably not even on TV exactly but over in a male dominated um, stage we have a show slash podcast that unfortunately I sometimes listen to um, ESPN's first take with uh, Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. And one thing that just annoys me and makes me cringe every time I'm listening to it is how they they interact and treat the host, um, Molly Karam. And her job isn't to do a whole lot of sports analyzing. And I understand that and I get that. But they talk over her. They disrespect her. And Sometimes I feel like if I were her, I wouldn't want to come into work because they just yell over me. And I know a lot of that is to do with their personalities and kind of what the show is based off of. Um, But, you know, I still think that they need to treat her with respect. And when she says something that has to do with sports, um, they should just shut up and listen. Because previously, before hosting the first take, she worked as a host of the NFL Network's NFL Fantasy Live. She hosted the MMA Awards, and she won an Emmy, actually, while working on the on ESPN's Fantasy Football now. And she is a New York sports fan, and she um, got a master's degree in broadcast journalism from Quinnipiac University. So she is qualified. And I'm sure, just like Sage Steele, she does her research before the show. So I don't oh, know. I can only imagine if the NBA is bad, how much worse NFL fans could possibly be to a woman. Exactly. And it, but it goes for every sport, no matter if you're talking MLB, MLB, NHL, or the other two. And the media just not having a lot of f- female voice in it. It just does not do a good job showing female sports. You know? No. And a female take on sports. Exactly, because then you'll sit here and when when they finally do talk about female sports, it's men briefly on ESPN Sports Center talking about the female sports, and then you'll have people with males on their take of female sports you know, saying, well, you know, the WNBA, it's not as exciting as the NBA. And, you know, they're not as talented, but it's still a good game. They're still good athletes. And I think that to bring up the WNBA every time that is what someone says, I think that's completely disrespectful. You know, you're not going to turn on the first thing they say when you talk about college men's basketball isn't, well, they're not as good as the NBA. No, that's not what we're saying. That's not what we're talking about. We're not comparing them. We're talking about college men's basketball. So let's talk about it. And that's what they do. So when they finally bring up the NBA, why does it have to be about what one of the players did off the court 
or how great of a role model they are or how, oh, they don't dunk. Well, some of them can dunk. And you know what? After watching these NBA games that are 140 to 110, I like a game that's fundamental basketball with some defense. They're playing as a team and every, it's not a dunk competition because mm-hmm. that's not real good basketball to me. I mean, I can't speak much to the intricacies of calling basketball, but it's really all comes down to the matter of perception of, you know, the legitimacy of a sports announcer's comment based on their gender. Exactly. And there are some great females that are out there calling basketball, calling other um, games. And I think that they deserve more respect and um, acknowledgement for the environment that they work in and the fact that, you know, that they are just as good as their male counterparts, but they also, you know, face this adversity and people rooting against them. Uh, And then one person I really would like to talk about is Doris Burke. Um, She's a sideline reporter as well as a color analyst for the NBA on ESPN uh, and ABC. She also is an analyst for WNBA WNBA games. Um, And she is the first female analyst to call a New York Knicks game on radio and television. She wow. play- Yeah, so she she is a baller, literally. She played um, college basketball um, at Providence, and she finished her career as the school's leading um, leader in assists. So clearly she could play basketball, and she knows a lot about basketball. So do you think that for... Um, a sports analyst who does just say let's use the NBA since we're on that if they're calling games for the NBA doing play-by-play or color do they need to have played basketball at the college level whether well let's say let's say take away gender just in general do you think to call NBA games uh no I don't think it's necessary you could be the biggest fan of basketball ever, but just not have the physical capabilities or talent to actually play at a college level. But you can still understand it. Yeah, I agree with that. Because there are, yeah, definitely people. Like I would say I know the game of basketball pretty well. And I'm not playing college basketball, but I played it at a high level in, in high school when I continue to watch basketball all the time. I'm not saying I know basketball the most out of anyone, but definitely enough, I think, to call a game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. call the, the Michigan women's basketball games. I know that's different than an NBA game, but it's, it's still basketball. Yeah, exactly. Because interesting um, fact for Detroit Pistons fans, so Lawrence Frank, if people remember him, he was a Pistons head coach, and he didn't even play high school basketball, really, because he's very short, and he loved the game. He was, I think, a manager at high school and then for Indiana. Um, wow. And so, he, yeah, he didn't play basketball at even a high school level, but he was the Pistons head coach 
for a season. I mean, <laughs> he wasn't very successful as a head coach, but I don't think that was because of his lack of playing. I mean, maybe some of the players didn't respect him as much because, you know, to, I mean, being a coach is different than being an analyst because you're there on the court trying to tell these players what to do. And if you haven't been in their position, then they might not respect you. Yeah, certainly harder to gain that respect. But, but, I mean, you can't cure shortness. That's the first thing. <laughs> but you can learn the game. Yeah, and then, let's see. Another example. There's the Pistons television play-by-play, George Blaha. Um, I don't think he he didn't play basketball in, in, in college. And not everyone's a fan of him, but I honestly, he's one of my favorite sports broadcasters mm-hmm. so I think we've come down to the fact that if you're going to be a sports broadcaster you probably don't have to have played college basketball but if you have one who did and one who didn't and the one that didn't is a female then there are definitely going to be people that are going to give them a hard time and they're just going to give them an equal as hard time if it's a woman who did play and the guy with her who didn't and then there's the topic of how sideline reporters who are, oh, not always, but usually usually female. And, and I'm not taking anything away from them because they bring you inf- interesting information and you have to gain the trust and respect of players. And, you know, those that do, you can definitely tell because they get more out of the players when they interview them on the sideline. Well, to be fair, my follow-up question to that comment was going to be, why do we even need sign-line reporters? But I will, you know, bow to your knowledge that they're very important. I mean, I wouldn't use the word very important. I could go without them. But it makes it interesting, you know, when it's between timeouts and you have, you know, whoever (laughs) interviewing Stan Van Gundy and him getting fined later for the comments he makes. You know, he probably doesn't want sideline reporters. Greg- and they probably love it. <laughs> exactly. Greg Popovich, who's famous for his one-word answers on the sideline for the San Antonio Spurs, he probably thinks sideline reporting stupid. But, I mean, what would the game be if you couldn't, um, you know, see these head coaches having many heart attacks on the sideline? It would just be analysts guessing even more than usual. Yeah. And, you over know, what everyone's thinking. And what do they know? Nothing. Maybe apparently. not. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about sports. Like, it's, I mean, I might consider it a science. But, like, really, this billion-dollar industry based off of games. And people take it so seriously. And there was this great NBA commercial that's like, basketball is just a game and then they're all saying that and then they're like but sometimes it's more and then oh geez <laughs> but the point was like they were using basketball to like help kids grow communities and stuff like that so I think ah yeah it's like the nfl <laughs> nfl play 60 but how much of that do they do we don't know but eh. i think that's what people need to start to realize is like Yes, we're always going to have, like, everyone analyzing every single detail of, like, one play. 
change sports forever. But like, but that sports can be used for a bigger, um, a bigger thing than just the game itself, and that can help people. And it can also bring um, highlight some of the problems that are happening in society through it happening in the sports world. And a slightly more uplifting note, seeing a woman calling a game or sitting behind the desk on ESPN could also inspire more young girls and young guys to pursue it as a career. Exactly. Because if you see um, a female in the sports world doing whatever, either being an analyst, being a coach, being a player, then as a young girl, you can be like, well, that is a possibility for me, too. Even though that's not usually listed in the career books, exactly. And so now this is a segment called the Becky Hammond segment, and I think this should become a thing on a pot on the podcast where we just take a minute to just admire Becky Hammond because she is and give us all a brief reminder of who Becky Hammond is. Yeah, that's what I was going to do. Becky Hammond is an assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs. She's the first female to be um, a coach in the NBA. Or the second female, excuse me. Second female assistant coach in the NBA. Um, But the first full-time assistant coach. Okay, that's an important distinction. Yeah. So, another one um, was for, like, training camp. But she, okay. she played in the WNBA. So there you go. People can't disqualify her. She played for the New York Liberty and um, was an all-star and a champion. She is 5'6", just in case anyone cares. Um, I mean, I think that's notable for not being possibly the normal height of a female basketball player. Yeah. but Correct? He, that's a little on the short side. Yeah, it's it's pretty short. I mean, Caitlin Flaherty is around that height, but she's actually pretty short. Okay. Just had to throw in Flaherty. Um, But she is a six-time WNBA All-Star, two-time All-WNBA First Team, two-time All-WNBA Second Team, and for 2007, she was the WNBA Assist Leader. And she has um, a gold bronze and silver medal. Ooh, impressive. Olympics are always a good signifier. Though that's a whole other can of worms we don't need to get into today. <laughs> yeah, so well, the Olympics are coming. We'll have an Olympics preview. But Good. Let's talk about how women are because I think that's a whole other topic. But women are going to bring all the gold for America. Thank goodness. I agree. It's time to become female soccer fans again. And basketball fans. Of course, and basketball. <laughs> and all the other sports. But I just want to say one more thing about Becky Hammond. Her father said that she would not. Well, Becky Hammond wanted to play in the NBA when she was a young girl. Because I don't. The WNBA wasn't around when she was, you know, first playing basketball as a child mm. and so but her dad was like there's you're never gonna play in the nba and she went on and um 
got herself a scholarship to Colorado State, and um, she led her team to a 33-3 and record in the 1998-99 season and um, helped them advance to the NCAA tournament Sweet 16. And then um, the rest is history because she was um, drafted by the New York Liberty. Um, wow! So, although she did not make it to the NBA to play, she has now made it to the NBA to coach. I think that's almost as good, if not better. So, Becky Hammond segment for all you. All praise. Exactly. As she deserves, because I'm sure she doesn't get enough of it from her coworkers. But, it, I mean, it does speak to what the uh, San Antonio Spurs organization is that they were the first to reach out and recognize that she could bring, you know, a positive impact to the coaching staff. And, you know, they took the chance. And Based I think, off her qualifications. Exactly. And I don't think necessarily that we should be applauding them, though, because that's like, oh, well, you found a very qualified person and you hired them. Like... That's your jobs. Exactly. And obviously baby steps. So I will give them a little bit of credit because no one else did it. But <laughs> I don't think the story should be them. I think it obviously should be her. And her accomplishments. So then briefly, since we're talking about her not being able to play in the NBA, as her father said, um, do you think that a female could ever play in a male big like main four um, professional sports leagues and don't I mean but like in when do you think that will happen because obviously it's not going to be just like oh a snap of the fingers that woman walks in there in the league it's going to it would be amazing Okay, let's break the answer down to physically, of course they could. Uh, Socially, that's going to be a way harder barrier to overcome. Because, I mean, even physically will be difficult, but I feel like down the road there will be one um, female, and no, not transgender female, but female. Because (laughs) even, and I'm not taking anything away from transgender female is is a woman but no one would be like give that person that person credit for being a female in a men's league they'd be like oh well that's really a man so we're not talking about that Um, because of media (laughs) yeah but um there will be one day um a female who i think is strong enough to play in a men's league um it's not i mean yeah look at all those fat basketball players (laughs) or sorry (laughs) Baseball. baseball <laughs> yeah, Forgot baseball. my uh, sports for a second. Which balls that? I don't know. There's so many. Because in um, I was I was thinking earlier, um, there are a lot. I I hear these stories about um, these female hockey players who um, are like in high school and their high school team doesn't have. Um, ah, what am I trying to say? They don't have a, a girls team. 
Mm -hmm. So they have to play on the guys' hockey team. And um, they're like the star of the team or just as good as all the other guys. And then they go on to play at a really good um, program for women in college. So they do go back to women's hockey. But if they've been playing with guys all through high school and guys who are going to go play college hockey then why couldn't they go and play you know no rules allowing why couldn't they go play men's college hockey or then pro yeah nothing changes all of a sudden and you know i'm not going to make light of it i'm not going to be like oh well it's just very easy for a female to go play and the nhl because obviously that's a level of physicality and violence that you know, you have to be an extraordinary, amazing athlete to be able to compete and endure. Male or female. Exactly. But I think that one day we will see a female in one of the the big um, four sports leagues. Yeah, I would say hockey is a good, good bet for maybe one of the earlier ones. Because, I mean, people are going to laugh and roll their eyes at that. But if you have a female, if you have anyone playing hockey... They're going to be tough as nails. Especially if you're a girl who's had to play on guys' teams already in your life. They're not the typical, like, just a girl who's decided, yeah, I'm playing sports. But, you know, you're going to have to obviously train. Train harder than um, the male athletes. And build muscle that most females don't have. Or wouldn't want to have. So that's just going to cause yet another thing for us to talk about. Is that if one day a female actually did make a a men's league. People would be talking about how she was just a man. Because she was, you know, so tough and physical and strong. And that's why I think the NHL will usher in their first woman. Because you can't tell who someone is underneath all that equipment and gear. Because you're wearing a mask. Yeah, maybe there already is a theme. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we wouldn't <know>. Surprise. <laughs> well, we're going to be wrapping things up soon on this podcast. Um, on females in the sports world, this will obviously be a discussion that should continue outside of the podcast, stepping out of bounds. But we had to address it. So, Julia, any last closing remarks? Julia, <laughs> you still with us in D.C.? Wait, sorry. <laughs> Any closing remarks? I stepped into a dead zone, but I'm back. <laughs> yeah, it's an issue that needs to be discussed, and it's not discussed enough. All right, well, we'll leave you for this episode of Stepping Out of Bounds with the sound of another strong female voice in the media.